I've been preaching a series of messages on 1 John. And this evening I'm going to preach a sermon on 1 John verses 17 through 18. And I pray that it will be a blessing to you. We should be rejoicing in the Lord our God. We have so much to rejoice about. You know, Paul says he was sent to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. So I'm going to reach down in that basket and pull out some of those riches this evening. And I hope you will praise God. You know, Peter speaks about a little foretaste of glory divine. As I said, you know, you cannot explain that joy in your heart to others. They have to experience it. You know, it's something you have to experience. So in 1 John 4, and we'll begin reading with verse 17. Herein is love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. Now this is the key verse I want you to think about. So many people today fear the judgment. It's Christians. They hear about the great white throne judgment, and it's a reality. They hear about the judgment seat of Christ. It's a reality. But if I get anything across this evening, I want you to know that believers will not face a judgment for their sins. I want you to face that and know that. It's an encouragement to know that Jesus bore our sins. He's the one that took away our sins. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love or mature love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. May we pray. Our gracious and heavenly fathers, we come before you this evening. May you bless us with our word, stir up our hearts, open up our minds to receive the engrafted word. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First thing I want to show that there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. This is the foundation that we have to lay our hands on here. And it's a blessing. Jesus said in John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And notice this, and shall not come into condemnation. That's why we don't fear the judgment. for Our sins have been judged already. There's no condemnation, but it's passed from death unto life. We pass from the, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. What a blessing that is, Brother Isaac. We're in his kingdom. In the kingdom of God, dear son. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's a, it's a permanent possession. We are now in no condemnation. There's no, con, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And also we see that we have boldness to enter the throne of grace, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You will never get so strong in your Christian life that you won't need a a throne of grace. I'm 81, brother Zach, 69. (laughs) And we have never reached the point in our maturity that we don't need to go to the throne of grace and find what? He says to find mercy. Mercy is for who? Sinners. Sinners, we need the forgiveness daily. Keep your account settled with the Lord. Don't let sin pile up. Confess them daily, moment by moment. That we may obtain mercy and find what? Grace to help in time of need. What did the Lord tell Paul? My grace is sufficient for thee, 
in your weakness. You say, well, I'm weak. Well, that's when you can be strong, beloved. And Paul says in uh, 10, 19 Hebrews, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. We can boldly go into the holy of holiness by the blood of Jesus. Not by merit. We don't merit anything. But we go through his work to the throne of grace. The blood, did, the blood didn't just cleanse us from our sins. It made us a way to go into the holy of holies. What a precious thing that is. And John says in 1 John two twenty eight, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That's the prayer of every one of us. I want to hear him say unto me in that day when the trumpet sounds, Well done, my good and faithful servant. We want to hear the joy of the Lord is our strength. Another reason we don't have to fear the judgment is because Christ is our righteousness. Righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says to wit or to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God imputed our sins to Jesus. They've been imputed to him. And his righteousness was imputed to us. What a blessing. What a blessing. Paul says, I want to be found in that day not having my own righteousness. When I stand before the Lord, I want to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Romans, I mean, uh, Corinthians 5.21 says, For he had made him to be sin for us. That verse is beyond our comprehension. How that Jesus was made sin for you and I, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Romans 3.25 says, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation means a covering, like the mercy seat. He covers our sins through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins or forgiveness of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And this is why we as believers stand complete in the Lord. We're complete. We have everything we need in the Lord. Colossians 2.10 says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. And I'm glad that verse in Ephesians said he's the head over all things to the church. He's the head over everything. Nothing can touch the church without his permission. Grace Chapel is under his control. Grace Chapel is under his love, under his power, under his control. And God is protecting it from the enemies, which is Satan. So thank God for that. And Paul said in Philippians, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What a blessing we have in that. Now I'm coming down to the one. This is the reason we don't have to fear the judgment because of the blood of Christ in Scripture, what it has to say about the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 5 now, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. One of the things about his blood, it paid the guilt and the sin that we owe. We were sinful. We fell in Adam. We were undone, ungodly, wicked. It said, God justifieth the ungodly. Beloved, it's the blood that deals with sin. Sin is dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. It says he removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He came to put away our sins by how? By the sacrifice of himself. He put away our sins. We don't put them away. He puts them away. And that means judicially and legally they're gone, beloved. Never to be brought up again. I I love that verse. It says our sins and iniquities will be remembered no more. Because judicially they're out of God's sight. 
out of God's sight. Justification, as we think about justification, just a thought here. Blood deals with the removing of sin. Once we've forgiven it, we cleanse, but we need a righteousness. Justification doesn't give us righteousness. Jesus, the Son of God, in his obedience, it says by the obedience of one man, by the obedience of one man, were many made righteous. Who's that one man? Jesus Christ. It's his righteousness that gives us righteousness. It's by his obedience to the law. He obeyed the law to the very jot and tittle on our account. He was our representative. Hebrews 7.22 says he was our surety. Beloved, he stood in our place. He was our example. He did everything for you and I. We also see that we have redemption through his blood. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Redemption means to buy out of the out of the slave yard. We were slaves in sin. Jesus bought us out by redemption. That Greek word means to buy out, never to return again. That's wonderful. You know, you got something in the pawn shop, you got 30 days to redeem it or you lose it. I'm glad that Jesus talks about his sacrifice, that he obtained what? Eternal salvation for us. We're not going back into the pawn shop again. We're free, beloved. We're free. Colossians says the same thing, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And I said this morning, there's nothing greater than the forgiveness of sins in a child of God's life, knowing that your sins are personally forgiven for Christ's sake. You don't deserve it. But the Father forgives you and I based upon Christ's finished work. You know, sometimes people have a problem understanding eternal justification. But if you think about Jesus Christ being our representative and being our surety, he came to fulfill the promises of God. He came to die. And and upon those engagements, the Father saw us justified in Christ from eternity as the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. In Hebrew, uh, Revelation 13, beloved, God sees us in Christ, and in Christ we're, we're justified. But Jesus met those conditions by coming to earth, being born of a virgin, and he gave his life and shed his blood to fulfill the everlasting covenant of Hebrews 13, 20. It says in Hebrews 9, 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. If he hadn't died, we would still be unforgiven. It's amazing when you think about the creator of the universe, God Almighty, infinite in power and glory, the Lord of lords and king of kings, he's called the Lord of glory, would take flesh and come in earth and die as the God man in our place. That's love. That we cannot even phantom. He would die for sinners like you and I. He goes on to say that through Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through his blood, through the blood of his cross. How do we have peace? Through the blood of his cross. God said there's no peace, said God, to the wicked. Those who are habitually living in sin and die without Christ have no peace but Jesus is our peace because peace comes through the blood he's called the prince of peace oh how we should be thankful for the prince we sang these hymns just a few moments ago how they lift up the Lord they praise his greatness his his love and his mercy toward each one of us 2 Corinthians 5 19 which are quoted to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them 
Beloved, just think, all your sins and all my sins was imputed to Jesus Christ. And on that cross, that's why he cried out, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Why? Because all the sins of all the elect were imputed to him. That's why he cried out. That's why we should love him. That's why we should be devoted to him. There should be no sacrifice too great for the Lord as we are his servants. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Oh, hallelujah for eternal redemption. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself with that spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That blood takes away the guilt. There's no more guilt. It's gone. It's been dealt with. Our conscience is clear because Christ has paid the price, beloved. Thank God for that. Having therefore, brethren, brethren's boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. What a blessing that is. We have the privilege to go into the Holy of Holies, which only the high priest could do once a year. We can go there anytime with boldness, with boldness, not on ourselves, not boasting in ourselves, but through his blood. Here's another blessing. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. We've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ. God has been satisfied because his son offered himself a sacrifice. The Father's justice has been satisfied. That's for propitiation, satisfaction. I know I'm going through a lot for you to think about, but what a Savior we have. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You know, all through the scriptures, the everlasting covenant is mentioned, but not in name. If you quote Ephesians 1, 4, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Where does that go back to? It goes back to the everlasting covenant. When Jesus said, behold, I and the children which God has given me, where does that go back to? It goes back to the everlasting covenant. Jesus says uh, that, that in, over there, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. He that cometh to me, I know what cast out. When did the Father give those to him? In the everlasting covenant. You can't get away from the everlasting covenant. You know, in Timothy, he speaks about uh, God had chosen us before the foundation of the world in Christ. That was before before time, it was in the everlasting covenant. Sometimes just go through the scriptures, starting in Matthew, and go through there, and every verse that speaks about something that was in eternity, put it in the everlasting covenant. And you'll be surprised. You'll say, boy, God loved me a long time ago. You know, he loved us before we ever had being. It, it is precious. Now, notice what Peter says about the blood of Christ. He says in 1 Peter 1, 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, we were not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We need to realize how precious the blood of Christ is. <laughs> Beloved, without the blood of Christ, we would none of us be here tonight. You know, when they put that blood over the doorpost, I'm, those Hebrew families, when that death angel came through and it bypassed them, one day that death angel's coming again. And where there's no blood, there's going to be judgment. And where there's judgment, there's going to be 
there's going to be destruction. And beloved, it says in uh, Thessalonians that those who know not the Lord and obey not the gospel shall be destroyed with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. That's where the blood has not been applied. So we should be thankful and we should consider the blood precious of Christ that he died in our place. Also, John says in 1 John 1, 7, when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And that word cleanses in the present tense. You know, Jesus died for our sins and they were cleansed, I believe, when he died for them, not when we believe. You know, some people want to say, well, nothing happens till you do something. No, when Jesus died and the Father accepted his sacrifice, it was finished. It was done. It was purpose and it was done. His, but when we sin, this blood is continually cleansing us. The moment we sin, the blood is cleansing us. You know, it says that Jesus, is our, we have an advocate with the Father. And that means that any time we sin, he runs to our side as our advocate and pleads his blood on our behalf. Did you know he loved you so much? That's amazing, isn't it? That he loves you and I so much. He's there to run to our, you know, it says, he runs to the sucker, to the cry of them that love him. He runs to their cry. He's a sympathizing savior. He can sympathize with you and I. You know, sometimes we can't sympathize with some people. We can't enter into their feelings. But you know, Jesus can enter into your feelings and understand your heartache, your longing, your needs, and your desires. What a savior we serve. Now, the reason I use this, emphasize all sin, it's plural. There are some teach that he only died for sin, but not sins. John says, if we confess our sins, plural, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means we need to confess sins as we commit them. You can't just confess one sin and, and, and say, thank, that's it. No, you need to confess them one by one, your sins. Now, I know we can't remember everything, but what you can remember, we need to confess it. Sins. He died for sins, each one of our sins was imputed to Jesus Christ, Brother Zach, every one of them. And he bore those sins in his body, as it says in 1 Peter 2, 24, who is also a bear our sins in his body, in his own body, on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. He bore those sins, sins. He died for sin. I like what one author says. And God's purpose in mind, his, his blood could be sufficient for the whole world if that was his purpose and design, but it wasn't his design. His design was to die for each sin of his elect and his elect only. Not one more, not one less. God had a purpose in all that he does. He does nothing without purpose. And what makes the, the blood of Christ uh, precious is that it's, it, that it's limited or it's particular to his people only. We call that particular redemption. It's something to rejoice in, not to argue about. You know, sometimes we get in debates and with the Armenians and we're trying to prove our point. Beloved, it's something to rejoice in. It's a truth that should stir our hearts and, say, and draw us. You know, Paul says, the love of Christ constrains me. And that should be drawing us to be obedient, drawing us to be in the house of God when it's open, drawing us to be faithful in our family worship, drawing us to draw nigh to God as he draws nigh to us. It's the love of God should draw us into that fellowship. Revelation says, and from Jesus Christ, 
who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us. Oh, I love that when God says that. Unto him that loved us. Paul says, who loved me and died and gave himself for me. Paul made it personal. He died for me. Can you say that? Can I say that? That Jesus died for me personally. That's when he becomes precious. That's when his blood is precious to your soul. Oh, beloved. And it goes on to say, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That word wash means to loose. He loosed our sins. They're gone. They've been put away by his sacrifice to be remembered no more against us. That's why we don't fear the coming judgment. Because we shall be as he is. In the world, we shall be, see him and we shall be as he is. Beloved, we're going to be as he is and the one who justifieth that God is God that justifieth. So if I stand before God, he says, I've been justified. He says in Romans 8, who, who can bring any charge against God's elect? No one can. God's already forgiven me and justified me. I'm called with his righteousness. What do we have to fear? When it comes to sin, there's nothing to fear. They've been dealt with through our Redeemer. Oh, hallelujah. What a Savior. And that's why it goes on to say in Revelation 5, 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Beloved, God's grace can reach every nation, every tongue, every language, anywhere in the world. God's not limited. He can save his people from their sins. He has saved his people from their sins. And it's the blood, beloved. Oh, by his blood, God emphasizes the blood all the way through the Old Testament. Uh, they're going through the Old Testament. They're going to be seeing this as they go through it. How each one of the lambs and the sacrifices all pointed to Christ, the tabernacle, pointed to Christ, all the sacrifice pointed to the one who was to come, the lamb that was to come, the lamb that was slain before, in the, for the foundation of the world and the purpose and mind of God. No wonder Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification and redemption that's why paul says in colossians we're complete in him he's everything you need what do you need tonight you need forgiveness he's forgiveness you need grace he has grace you need sanctification he's your sanctification you need wisdom he said let any men ask of god if they need wisdom he's your righteousness he's our righteousness to close us and he's our redemption we have everything in jesus christ and paul says because of that that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. God help us not to get lifted up with pride. One of the things that ministers have to guard against in their own lives is pride. We have to guard against that. It's easy. Paul says knowledge puffs up. So we always have to be on our guard. But if we're going to glory, glory in the Lord. Now coming down to verse 18. There is no fear in love for perfect love cast out fear because fear hath torment. You know, love, the more you see the love of God, the more God reveals his love to you, fear goes out the door. But we'll never mature so far in our lives that we have perfect, mature love because fear seems to always sneak into our lives. Now, I'll give you an example. Sometimes we can be walking so strong in the Lord and, 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 and feel so that nothing can stop us. Then all of a sudden we get news of a loved one dying of cancer. That fear comes in. That fear. And then we hear of a tragedy with one of our grandchildren or one of our children or one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That fear 
starts working in us. And see, Satan uses those things to try to discourage us and try to get our minds off Christ. You know, we need to keep our eyes on Christ and that love. That we have to continue looking to the... Paul said, I'm determined not to know anything among you. Say what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Beloved, as we look to Christ's love, we grow more and more and more confident in the Lord. And it's good to believe it. Sometimes it's hard to understand it, but we need to believe it. For all things work together for good to them that love God, them that are called according to His purpose. The Father is in control of everything. Satan couldn't do nothing to Job without God's permission. Satan cannot touch you and I without God's permission, Brother Isaac. We need to remember that. And where there's temptation, there's grace to resist it. Paul said, there's no temptation in you, which is common to man, but God will give you a way to escape, make the ability that you may be able to endure it. Beloved, when the temptation comes, God will be there to give you an exit out. There's an exit signs around here to get out of here in case of a fire. When a fire comes your way as a Christian, God says, here's the exit. Go that way. But sometimes we don't want to go. We want to stay in that. So remember, God has promised you and I a way out. So we see love then. We need the love of God in our hearts. Fear hath torment. It does. Even the word fear sometimes brings torment, you know. And uh, uh, we all experience it in our lives. But the more you grow in the love of God, the more you'll grow and in, in fear gradually goes out. But as I say, we never get to the point where we never have fear. We all are growing in that area. And I, I, it, it's difficult. You know, Paul gives us a verse there over in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So where does fear come from? It comes from our fallen nature and from Satan. If you're being embodied with fear, Satan is trying to put thoughts into your mind of fear. He's trying to get you to distrust God, not to believe God's word, not to believe the promises. Where God said, I'll never leave thee, I'll never forsake thee. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Beloved, Satan wants to get your eyes off that and get you to look inwardly at your failures, look at your sins, look at your fear, and look at what's happening to someone you love. He's trying to get your eyes off the Lord. And when you see that happening, get back into the Word, get on your knees and pray, talk to your pastors and, and, and get counsel because Satan is trying to attack you. And he was constantly trying to attack the Lord Jesus in his ministry. Just a few things now in verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. In, in, in 1 John, just in 1 John alone, love is mentioned 32 times in 23 verses. Just that small five chapters. 32 times the word love. So it's important. One of the key things is love. In Psalm 90 verse 2 it said, Before the mountains were brought forth, or wherever thou hast formed the earth, the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God is from everlasting to everlasting. There's no beginning with God. There is no end with God. He says in Jeremiah 31 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. When did God's love begin? From everlasting to everlasting. There never was a time when God didn't love you and I. Isn't that something? There never has been a time when God did not love you and I who are born of his spirit or were given to Christ in the covenant of redemption for Christ to come and redeem. That love has always been upon us and will be upon us until he calls us all home. 
And he said, therefore, with loving kindness have I what? Drawn thee. And this brings us automatically to John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And why does he draw us? Because he's loved us with an everlasting love. How beautiful it is when you see grace. How beautiful when you see the Father's love. How beautiful when you know that the Father is working every step of your life for your good. Though we don't understand his providence at times. Though sometimes we cannot grab grab the intellectual part of providence. But we trust the Lord. Isaiah says, what time I walk in darkness or trust in thee. We need to be trusting in the Lord. And I'm going to raise him up at the last day. Now, faith is a great, we say the just shall live by faith. But here's the verse that shows you the importance of love. Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. You take love out of the equation, faith is nothing. Faith is dead. James speaks, it's dead faith. It has to be motivated by love, beloved. So everything we do by faith has to be motivated by the love of God that's in us. It said the love of God is shed or brought in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's given unto us. It speaks about in Corinthians 13, 13. And that word for uh, charity is the same Greek word, agape. And now about a faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is basically love. The greatest of all gifts is love. And we've got to realize, what's the greatest gift? Paul said, if I have all the knowledge and, and, and all that can speak like angels and have not love, it profit me what? Nothing. So you can come to church. You can be here every Sunday, every Wednesday night, serve the Lord. But if you're not doing it in love, it profits you nothing. Remember, God's looking at the heart, and the heart is what he, he accepts or rejects. Oh, beloved, what a, what a blessing that is. And the third thing about love, Romans 13, 10, Paul says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You want to fulfill the law? It's through love. It's through love. Jesus said, If a man love me, he will keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And he said, if you love me, love one another. The responsibility of Grace Chapel, all the members, is for you to love one another as Christ loved you. Now, that's a big command. I mean, you're to be sacrificing yourself, your time, your energy to help the members of the church who have needs. Certain people have needs. We got, Brother Zach, I remember, preached a message about those who are nurses. You know, they minister the needs of the people in the church. We have people in the church who need ministering to. We're to minister to their needs through prayer, through visits, through phone calls, through helping them, encouraging them in the scriptures, encourage bringing them to church if necessary. I'll say this, not to boat, not to build up Brother Daniel, but uh, as I look on uh, YouTube and watch the services here, who do I see standing, standing there 99% of the time? Daniel. I don't care if it's Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, he's here. And I give God the glory. I know God's the one who puts it on his heart to come. But that's a, what a testimony that is, Brother Isaac, Brother uh, Zach. That's a testimony. I tell you what. Uh, he may be blind in some sense, but he can see spiritually because he knows where to be in the Lord's house. And that's a blessing. I don't say that to build him up, but I, I just, it, it's, I want to know he's a testimony to a lot of people. And we love him because he first loved us. 
We love him who returns to Jesus Christ. And he first loved you and I. The father loved us and gave us to the son. And the son came to earth to demonstrate his love by death, the dying at Calvary. He died. He went to the cross to bear our sins in his body on the tree. As we think about salvation being by the grace of God, you know, Jesus says a man can receive nothing except to be given to him from heaven. You can't save yourself. It has to be given to you from heaven. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Or who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that didst not receive? And if, you, if thou didst receive it, why do you thou dost glory? If thou hast not received it. Some people want to brag about what they are, but you've got to remember, everything we received is by grace. Your gifts, a preacher's gift, Brother Zach's gifts, he don't take the glory for it. He gives God the glory for it. He's very, God has given him great grace in writing and preaching and edification and helping the people of God. But God gave him that gift. The ability, it says in 1 Peter, which God giveth. That's the ability that all of you young ministers that are preaching need. You need the ability which God giveth. And what Paul says over there that we, well, we, we don't come preaching man, wisdom of man's word or preaching in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need today in our churches. Men who spend their time on their knees. Men who are seeking God. Men who realize they're nothing. They're empty. And they need God to fill their souls, fill their minds. That don't mean we don't study the word of God. But intellectual knowledge alone was not sufficient. We need God behind that, opening up the hearts of God's people, putting that word, blessing that word, and helping him to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. So we're one with God in the ministry. We minister with him. Isn't that wonderful that God chose instruments of mankind to work with him in feeding and teaching his people? You remember what the Lord told Peter. Peter, lovest thou me? Oh, course, yes, Lord, I'm fond of you. Feed my lambs. Then he asked him again, Peter, you love me? And now he used the word agape two times. He said, feed my sheep. And the third time he said to shepherd my sheep, if you love me, he used the word philos. Do you, are you fond of me, Peter? Peter was grieved over that. Three times Peter denied the Lord. Three times the Lord gave him an office to do. It shows you, brethren, that we can fall. But God's grace can lift a preacher back up. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. So if you ever get discouraged, remember, the Lord, the Lord is able to build you back up in the faith. And just a few more verses, and I'm going to close. As I said earlier, every good gift and every perfect gift coming from the Father above, from the Father of lights. Everything we have comes down from the Father. Be thankful. Your families. I, I'm amazed at Grace Chapel. So I'm going to say to all the children in the family, that comes down from the Father. Your children are here because He blessed, blessed your family to have these children. Without God, you know, Leah, uh, Rachel complained, I'm still barren. I don't have a child. What's wrong? What's wrong? Jacob says, Am I God that I withheld it from you? See, God blesses you. So if you have a wonderful family, as a family, thank God for your family. It's a blessing from God. And again, he that gloryeth, let him glory in the Lord. We cannot say that too much. And Jesus said in Hebrews 2, 13, Behold, I and the children which God hath given me. As I said before, that goes all the way back to the covenant of grace. Hallelujah. In Acts 13, 48, 
And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Now, I believe that means just what it says. Simple, point, preach the word, Paul told Timothy. Timothy, as many as were ordained to eternal life, what's going to happen? They're going to believe. Now, I believe it. I'm not going to try to explain it to you answer all your questions, but the Word of God says those He gave eternal life, He's also going to bring the belief. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe that, but I'm, I'm simple-minded enough just to believe that verse. But we'll leave that alone. <laughs> we love Him. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.8, Whom having not seen you love. Oh. And whom though now you see Him, not yet believing. Believing, beloved, is my... What makes Jesus more precious to you is you can believe in and you add faith and faith is being strengthened. You believe and you believe through the Holy Ghost is the one who gives you that power to believe. You're filled with the joy of the Lord. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We don't have those joys every day, but sometimes it is a blessing. I'll be laying in my bed at night meditating on the scriptures and it seems like heaven just opens up. The joy of the Lord. This scripture come. This scripture come. This scripture opens up. And I'm just sitting there amazed at what God's bringing to my thoughts. Where is this coming from? It's coming from the Lord. He's given me a little foretaste of glory to divine to encourage us. We need that at times in our lives. And the Lord knows that. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. I hope that he is precious to your soul this, this evening. Jesus is precious to you. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner. Beloved, there's many people who hate the Lord Jesus Christ today. And Paul said at the coming of Christ, let those who hate him be cursed. Now that's strong language. That's strong language. But those who reject Jesus Christ and hate him are, deserve nothing more than to be cursed because they hate the Lord Jesus Christ I'm going to close with that, and I thank you for the opportunity. And I pray as you think about what Jesus has done that you don't fear the judgment to come. Your sins have been dealt with by Christ.